Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Gridiron Crew, an NFL podcast made in Scotland discussing America's game. Week 12 is just around the corner, so it's time for the preview crew. I'm your host, Dan, and joining me tonight are one of the finest crew members and two very special guests. Guys, have you heard that I've got some breaking news? I don't know if you've seen this so far today. Um, I don't know if you've into Eurovision at all, but the UK have announced their entry for Eurovision for next year. Uh, it's a band that have only came to prominence in the last couple of weeks. They're called the Second Half Kansas City Chiefs. The panel <laughs> chose them as they can uphold the UK's tradition of zero points. That's a good choice for them. <laughs> oh, that's horrendous. And I can't even argue back at it. <laughs> it's hard out there for you guys, man. I mean, I mean, you know, Kansas City, you're still doing all right, but that that's kind of shocking, right? Yeah. See, it see, be fair though. I, I think you'd probably get a better cast of wide receivers out of the Eurovision than what we've got now. <laughs> the guys just cannot catch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, fresh from the NFL UK, showing off his Saints man cave uh, for all of Twitter to see. It's a co-host of the Saints the City and Me podcast. It's Dan. A.K.A. Procrastinatus. Welcome back, Dan. You've been here before. Welcome back. I have, yeah. I, I was here for uh, the NFC South preseason preview game. Um, let's not bring up some of my predictions because um, <laughs> they, they haven't aged particularly well. <laughs> but I'm, I'm delighted worry, to be you guys. You're in good company with those predictions. Don't worry yourself. <laughs> Our second special guest has been dubbed the most influential coach <laughs> fan in Europe. He played the game we all love for 11 years, and he's also the host of the George on Sports podcast. Welcome to the Gridiron Crew, George Agator. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, guys, for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. It's kind of weird to hear you say that, because honestly, I wasn't expecting any of that. I mean, I to Germany, but that was just, it completely took me by surprise. But again, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to talking some ball, man. Yeah, it was a great article. I've linked it in our, our Twitter for, for tonight, so it was a great article that was written about you, so... So, George, with all new guests, you got a couple of minutes to tell us about you. So, I've got two questions for you. So, the yeah. first one is, how did you become a Colts fan? And number okay. two is, how did you become the most influential Colts fan in Europe? <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, I'll go with the first one. I'll, I'll kind of it down because it's a little bit long. Basically, when I first got into the sport, I don't know, over 15 years ago now, when I decided I was going to get involved, and I said to myself, I play video games, right? I'm a big video game guy. So I got the game Madden. Don't remember what year it was, but I said to myself, whichever team comes up on the loading screen, or I think it's when you have to pick your team when you start a new game, you got to set, basically set the, the, the rules of the game and you have to yeah. pick a team, right? And the first team that came up, I said to myself, whatever team comes up here, whatever logo it is, bearing in mind, I didn't know anything really about it. Did no research, no glory hunting, no color scheming, no current relationships to, to cities in the States. And the first team that came up was the Horseshoe. I have no idea what this is, but I'm going to pick this and this is my team. Literally, that was it. There's no prior um, research done. I just went with what I saw um, and that's it. And it just ha so happened to be the Peyton Manning era. Obviously, we went on and won a Super Bowl and we had the guys in the squad like Reggie and everybody else. And for me, I guess it was just a bit of luck. Um, can't say we've had much luck for, for a good a good number of years, as you I'm sure you know. Um, but that's pretty much how I become a Colts fan. It's interesting, though, because you don't come across many Colts fans. Outside of Indy, you don't really come across many Colts fans, but that's the way I like it. You know what I mean? I'll be that underdog guy for my team, and I'll rep them all the way through. Um, that's the answer to number one. Number two, um, I was saying it earlier that I, honestly, I was not expecting that to happen. So again, long story short, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain a bit more detail later in the show. But I was enough to be for both weekends, so for the Chiefs Miami game, and then for the Colts and Patriots game. Which can I say just? 
putting that nail in that coffin, so to speak, for the Patriots, you know, they're already they're already on the downward slide and for us to go and beat them in Germany in a low scoring game, I'll take it, but a win's a win, right? Nothing better than that as a Colts fan. Um, so I attended the conference. And bearing in mind, so prior to this, I'm already in touch with people from the Colts. Luckily enough, I'm able to have relationships with some of their writers and some of the people in the communications team. So I knew uh, that the game was either going to be in London or Germany. Um, and it happened to be Germany. And I heard I booked my hotel or was wasting no time because I was never going to miss that trip. Um, so I got to the post-game, uh, the pre-game conference, and I noticed a few faces, which, again, that was the whole point. I was trying to take advantage of the fact that I'm in the same room as some of the people that I've been speaking to online. So let's, you know, let's make the most of it. Um, so I got speaking to some of the people that I knew. And after I'd asked my question, which is something that I take quite a lot of pride in, really. I like to do my, my research prior before I ask my questions because I, I like to ask engaging questions. I had a guy come up to me. I think his name is Joel from the Indie Star. I didn't know this at the time. And he asked me if I wanted to do an interview. I was like, yeah, sure. So he literally just grabbed the mic out. We just started speaking. Next thing you know, I wake up in the morning and there's this article. And I'm thinking, what's happened here? <laughs> Honestly, like, I was absolutely blown away. But it was great to read that. Um, like I said, you don't come across Colts fans often. Um, so it was nice to be you know, recognized by the guys and to have that, that right up. Yeah, that, that absolutely meant my whole weekend. So I was very, very happy with that. Yeah, no, that's excellent. That is. Uh, anybody that's listening or watching to watching, we've linked to the article George is referring to on their Twitter. Uh, make sure you have a good because it is, it's a good article. It's very, it's a very good feel good article, George. Um, oh, for sure. Well, yeah. So, guys, uh, Dan, George, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, going to have some Anytime. good chat, chat some good ball. And studs, you're on a Thursday night. This is unusual. <coughs> thanks for your presence. I know, I've been away for a wee while, so let's say it's good to get back on and, and chat with you guys. Basically what's so. happened is you, you've listened to the, the preview crew for the last four weeks and you're like, I want a part of that because it's so good, that's what's happened into it. Do you know what? I th I'm actually getting fed up of shouting at my shouting at my phone whilst I'm listening to you as I walk the dog at night because I can, there's a couple of things I'm listening to you and I want to scream back because I can hear these bad mouth in the Chiefs um, <laughs> normally, to be fair. So, but uh, no, there, there's been a few occasions where I've had to stop myself shouting at the phone. <laughs> oh, folks watching and listening, there's no need to check your calendar. This is Wednesday night, and over normally on the Thursday night. But we have moved ourselves this week because it's Thanksgiving tomorrow night. Uh, and Keith is hosting a, a Thanksgiving watch-along for the games tomorrow night uh, on our Twitter and our YouTube. So if you're at loose end tomorrow night, get yourself on. We'll see what Keith's got in store for the Thanksgiving games where we enjoy the games. Uh, and talking about Thanksgiving games, let's find out how did it all start? Why why are games played on Thanksgiving? What's, what's the story with it? Because it is a massive tradition now in the NFL with these games. Um, so we're going to have a little history lesson. So, the first ever game on Thanksgiving of pro football was played in 1876 between Yale and Princeton. So, it was a college thing to start with. It bounced around a few games and then obviously all the different football leagues that they had before the NFL all bounced around until 1934 and the Detroit Lions decided we're going to host a game on Thanksgiving. And they were very lucky because their owner, Georgie Richards, basically ran a radio station. It was kind of, no -go. It was kind of with NBC. And he negotiated for their games to be broadcast on the radio. And ever since then, the Lions have played on Thanksgiving every week. So that, that was a good start for them. Then in 66, the Cowboys joined in the, the fun on Thanksgiving. Apart from 1975 and 1977, we weren't on. That was, a, that was a big thing. So 1978 comes along. Peter Zell, the commissioner, comes back to the Cowboys and goes, guys, can, can we play on Thanksgiving again? And the Cowboys go, yeah, but we're going to be on Thanksgiving forevermore. And they're like, ah. Hmm. Uh, 
Okay. Okay, so now the Cowboys are on Thanksgiving every as a result of the NFL begging the Cowboys to do something because they know how big the Cowboys are, how big mm. a draw they are. Do you know what I mean? That's why they had to beg them. America's <laughs> team, right? <laughs> and then fast forward to 2006 and we get the, the, the Thursday night football game added to it. So that's how it gave us three games. And this year we've got a first Black Friday game as well. Mm. So we've got the Dolphins and the Jets tomorrow. Uh, which will be interesting. It's a good time as well in the UK as well for that one. So I'm looking forward to that. So mm. that's the history of it. Thanksgiving football, guys. I don't history unless I start the podcast. So mm-hmm. on the same theme, let's get to our kickoff question. So as you Thanksgiving. So guys, what I want to know is, I'll come to you individually. Do you have any Thanksgiving traditions? And and what are your plans for tomorrow? So we'll start with yourself, Dan. What's, have you got any traditions? What are your plans? So over the last couple of years, um, my kids have insisted on making pumpkin pie. Um, so that's all become a tradition now. So my son's like, Thanksgiving's coming up. You're going to make a pumpkin pie. I've done a couple of turkeys, small turkeys, uh, when I've worked from home. So tomorrow I'm, I'm planning on, I haven't got time, so I've got to go in the office, but I'm planning on getting some turkey legs and smoking them Disney style. You know, like you go to Disney World, you've got the turkey nice. legs. Slap a couple of them on because I've got to go to a, a, a sixth form open day for my daughter. So I'm going to have to do that and then nip home. <laughs> Get the turkey out and get the football on. Um, but I'll be leaving work a little bit early to make sure I can do that. Um, they don't know that. I've just realised we're live. I won't be leaving work <laughs> early. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, for us, it's like my kids love the, you know, um, the pumpkin pie and things like that. It, to them, it feels like quintessentially American. Um, mm. they, they like it at Halloween. They like it at Thanksgiving. So that, I suppose that's our tradition that we've we've adopted um, in the UK in our household. Excellent. Studs, what about yourself? I, I don't know how I can follow Dan there, to be fair. It's, um, <laughs> I'm, my Thanksgiving is so boring. I just, for myself, I make sure. I was quite fortunate, obviously, to work in America, so I'm still in contact with quite a few of the families I worked with over there and stayed with. So I always make sure, reach out to them individually, see how they're getting on, um, chat a little bit of ball with them as well. So I've got Packers fans in there, Chiefs fans, different things like that as well. So... Just a kind of a wee, a wee reach out session just to kind of see how everybody is and how I see how the kids are doing, but they're all kind of 20 odds now and they've got their own kids and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's all pretty busy now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and what about yourself, George? As far as traditions go, not really, but I mean, so like yourself and I've got kids, my kids have got two young boys. Um, and they, whilst they're into the game, they're not into the game to that kind of level. So for yeah. me, I mean, a few years ago, myself and my wife, we went to New York um, for Thanksgiving, which is pretty cool, to be honest with you, um, except for both New York teams are playing away. So that kind of sucked because we couldn't watch anything. But it was great to be in and amongst it, amongst the fans and, and the hype. And I'll tell you what, I will never forget that year because this is the year Megatron was still playing. For those who don't know who Megatron is, that's Calvin Johnson, legendary wide receiver for the, for the Lions. Um, and I had just traded him away in fantasy. I've been playing fantasy for God knows how many years, and I know we're going to come to fantasy later. And he had done nothing for me all season. So I gave him away in a three-for-one trade. And lo and behold, I'm in New York. I'm in one of the NFL stores. I'm looking at the huge jumbo screen. And what happens? Calvin Johnson goes absolutely nuts. Over 100 yards, three touchdowns, and it made me sick to my stomach. So I will never forget that that weekend in, <laughs> in New York. Um but in terms of traditions, no, I normally just grab as much food as I can. Um, I'm a big foodie guy. And I, obviously, I've got a, um, we've got a big group chat of a few of us in the UK who are involved in the scene and, and create content. And we're just always talking ball. So it's food, it's talking ball, it's watching the games and then just enjoying with the family. 
Yeah, excellent. I was going to say, on that point, you raised there, George, about being there for New York. I've, I used to work for an American bank, and I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, for one Thanksgiving. Ah. And it is it is spectacular when you see what goes on on, on Thanksgiving. I actually flew home that evening, but right. watching the parades and the food, and you know, people were going on like turkey turkey fun runs <laughs> and just this crazy yeah. like stuff. And it, it really is, for people who don't have a grasp of how big it is there, when you go and see it, you realise it is, it's like Christmas is here. Like, Huge. That's how big yeah. it is there. So that like holiday, yeah. right? Yeah, massive holiday. Mm. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm obviously, I'm a Cowboys fan, so we're on every Thanksgiving. So I've been, I would say, unlucky that pre, my previous jobs, I, I had no, no, I could take an annual leave if I thought off, but I was, sometimes I was off Thanksgiving, sometimes I wasn't. So I've never really had a tradition. So I think mm. this year, I'm starting my traditions from this year. So nice roast dinner tomorrow night. Cowboys are on. So this year's my first uh, Thanksgiving where I start a tradition. So I'm looking forward to that tomorrow night. Uh, guys, so this week it's my favourite type of preview crew. Um, we deep dive into teams that we haven't covered much this season, um, which I love doing. We can, we can cover all the good teams and all the big games and that you get that gets boring after a while. We need to start looking at outside the box and that's what I like doing on, on the Thursday night crew. Um, so for the first game, we're heading south. It's only right to let Dan kick us off for this one. So, Dan, give us a brief summary of the, the Saints season so far and how's this one going to play out against the Falcons? Oh, uh, I, I think it would, wouldn't would be unfair to call this one the mid-off, um, the way this season's <laughs> going. The NFC South this year has been not good, um, I think is a, is a fair, fair comment to make. I think um, the Saints have definitely not performed to the level that we expected them to. And I think the Falcons... Similarly, when you look at their offense, you would expect them to be performing a lot better than they they are. So I'm not kind. I'm not sure what kind of game we're going to have on Sunday. I suspect it's going to be uh, one that is heavily influenced by defense uh, more than anything else. Um, you know, it's it's both teams. Well, Saints are five and five. Falcons are four and six. Um, you know, they're, they're they're very very middling. Um, at the moment, in terms of what we thought the season was going to be like for the Saints, you know, I thought Derek Carr was going to come in and be a, a, a competent QB. Um, he seems to be relatively competent between the 20 and the 20. And then when we get in the red zone, we've got some that's when it becomes Taysom Hill's offense. Um, yeah, Taysom Hill definitely, you know, from an offensive point of view, he's, I, I think he's been our MVP this year. He's only been in limited snaps during the game, but yet he, he has an impact whenever he comes in. I think as a career, he's, um, I think if he has the ball more than seven touches in a game the Saints don't lose so I think he touched the ball twice against the uh, Vikings that says says a lot um, about this game uh, Mike Thomas is gone on IR today so that's a big blow for us um, mm. I think we thought he was going to come into the season yeah, and be you know 70% of the Mike Thomas that he was before he got injured um, and then he would you know support Chris Alave and Rashid Shaheed. Chris Alave is is having a bit of a sophomore slump. To be fair, you know he's um, I've got his stats here, but Alave six hundred fifty seven yards, which isn't bad. Um, three touchdowns. He's our leading touchdown scorer on receptions. Uh, him and Rashid uh, equal, but it's not it's not any it's not the explosive offense we thought we was going to see from the Saints this year. Um, the play calling. Uh, and I think probably Falcons fans would probably sympathise as well. The play calling hasn't been as expected. I mean, if you're a Falcons fan and you look at how they've under or how we believe they've underutilised 
Bajon Robinson uh, in comparison to how we thought he was going to come in and be the lead back in the league this year. He's the highest paid running back in the league this year. And he's, you know, he's um, he's still got, um, I think, like over 600 yards uh, rushing, but it's nowhere near what we thought he was going to have at, at this point in the season. Um, I do, you know, th- yeah, again, this game's going to be, I think it's going to be all about defence, to be honest. Uh, Falcons defence is, and Saints defence, a fairly middling generally in terms of yards allowed per game. But the, the big takeaway here, I think, in this game is the Saints are the third best team at um, taking the ball away from interceptions in the league. And Desmond Ridder's the worst QB for fumbles and interceptions per play. So, you know, if something's going to give there for the Saints, I think that's where it's going to, it's going to happen for them. Yeah. Again, unfortunately, uh, Marshawn Lattimore is injured. He's got a high ankle sprain. Uh, cool. Picked it up against the Vikings in the Vikings game. It's a pretty nasty injury. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks. You know, he's been he's been outstanding this season. I don't think um, if I was to compare Marshawn this season to another cornerback in the league, you know, he's up there with Daryl Rivas in terms of like it's Lattimore Island. No one even wants to throw to him. But I went. I was over in um, New Orleans for the Saints Bears game. I watched the game in the dome. Nice. They didn't want to throw the ball anywhere near the east side of the field, which just allows Paulson Adebo to thrive um, on, on his side. And, and, and he, as you can see that in the way he's played. So we're having some good good secondary play this year um, from our cornerbacks. But defensive line's not not particularly good either in comparison mm. to what we thought it was going to be. I sound quite negative. Uh, it, on paper, <laughs> this team should be, should be, you know, walking away with this division, I think. Or these two teams should be running away with it. But they're just not they're just not putting it together on the game day. Arthur Smith's play calling is erratic, I think, from what I've seen from the Falcons games. Um I, you know, it's it, you could flip a coin on this one, I think. But I, I you know, the optimist in me says Saint, the Saints will win and it'll be a defense that, that wins it, um, for yeah. sure. Studs, just picking up a couple of players that Dan mentioned there. So first of all, we'll look at Taysom Hill. So Taysom Hill this year is he's averaging five point two yards per rush. That's mental for for what he the position he is playing, he's not mm. he's not a, a, a Lamar Jackson type quarterback. So five point he's getting fifty attempts, two hundred sixty one yards, and five point two. Do you think the Saints have finally found the right role for him? He's he's probably a frustrating player if you're thinking for a fantasy level because you know he's literally he's a Swiss he's in a baseball league, but yeah, <laughs> aye, of course, um, he, he's just such. Yeah, I think I know he has been called a Swiss Army knife before, and he really does typify that because he'll go out there and he'll run somebody over for Alvin Kamara to run around the back of him. He'll go out there, he'll play wide receiver, he'll be your tight end, he'll, he'll be your QB as well. So I think they're kind of trying to obviously, Dan, you've obviously seen them a lot more than, than myself, the Saints. They're, if they're trying to utilise him more in the, in the red zone, then I think it does kind of make sense because. Yep. He is that multi-talented weapon that you've got. So, is he going to be there as a pass catcher? Is he going to be there as the QB and the run with you? that? Then opens up QB draws and things like that for him as well. Or is he going to be blocking for Alvin Kamara out the backfield as well? So, it really, I think that does make sense to utilise him in that fashion. I don't think, and I think that's why we've kind of come away from him as a sort of every down quarterback essentially because. If you've got that element of surprise, it just it should in theory open up that playbook for Dennis Allen and his play calls a lot more. Yeah, he's just a little bit, bit like. Um, I was going to say, Dan, he's a little bit. He's going to extremes, but he's a little bit like when we put him in. It's a bit like the push tush at the Philly. Yeah. You know they're going to do it. You know Taysom Hill's going to run it. the ball, and they can't stop it. I've got yeah. some stats here. J- 
just I, I looked at well, I, someone tweeted them out today. This is Taysom Hill's performance against the Falcons in his career. So he's played 12 games against the Falcons as a starting QB, won three games. He's carried the ball 50, yard, 50 times over uh, for 361 yards against the Falcons. He scored four wow. rushing TDs. He's um, got 702 yards passing against them, four TDs. Four receptions for 17 yards and a TD. He's, ret- he's done a kickoff return, four returns for 96 yards against the Falcons. He's blocked one punt and he's made a tackle. Jeez, wow. man. A personal so vendor that's, that's, that's against that's him. It. <laughs> him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> So what, Dan's actually, team. so what Dan's actually saying is take him out of your fantasy team this week because everything points to the fact that at some point that's going to go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not this week, but yeah. yeah, yeah. I, was just look, I was just looking at it there. He's he's actually your joint top touchdown scorer this season. Mm-hmm. Looks like. I, can't, I can't see if he's got any receiving touchdowns, but him, um, Alavi, he's, he's, he's got five, five touchdowns, one, one throw in, three rushing and one receiving. Oh, I just found I just found the receiving one there. So taking away he's thrown one, he's your top touchdown scorer. Yeah. He's got four touchdowns this season, so he's a, he's a top touchdown. So yeah, he's obviously Do you know doing what's embarrassing as well. Um so Kamara's got uh two rushing touchdowns. Um Taysom's got three. The next highest scoring, the next most touchdowns is Tony Jones Jr., who'll be cut. Wow. It's <laughs> so, our full, full, uh, third best uh, touchdown scoring as a as a running back. So it says a lot about where we are on offense. It's a really, it's a really frustrating offense to watch. It, mm. it really is. Um, George, just going to have a really quick look at the Saints' defense. So mm. just looking at the, uh, the depth chart now, you got people like Cam Jordan there. We've obviously mentioned Marshall Lattimore, uh, Tyron Matthews. Uh, what have you seen much of the, the Saints' D this year? What's your, what's your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it, it kind of goes for the whole NFC South. If you minus the Panthers, who are one and nine, and can't seem to do anything right. It's a very strange, it's a very strange team. I mean, you guys are talking about their offensive touchdowns and what they're doing on offense, which is quite poor, to be fair. Then you flip it to defense, which again doesn't shine brightly. I mean, Tyron Matthews, he's had his time. I always say, and I always have these conversations, and the NFL stands for not for long, right? And that applies to so many different people, so many different teams, and so many different individual players. You have these big names, but really, you Hayward is obviously, you know, a great guy, but you talk about Tyron Matthew, hmm, it's a name, but he's not really at that level anymore. And that goes for really the entire defense. I mean, they're not stopping. They're five and five, right? The next best teams are the Falcons at four and six. Then you move to the, the Bucks, who will come to, who are also four and six. And then you drop all the way down to one and nine. It's a very, very strange division with very, very strange meddling teams where there isn't anything too glamorous happening. Um, the identity is a bit frayed. Taysom Hill pretty much runs this team. And to be fair, they paid him that big contract. So I guess you could say he's rewarding them in that sense that he leads the leads the team in touchdowns, which isn't what you really expect. Um but yeah, I don't think the defense are doing anything, you know, particularly standout-ish. They're just, a, I'd say, an average kind of an average kind of defense, and that kind of shows in their record. You know, um, the Saints are a team that you don't. It's kind of like the Chargers. The Chargers are charging. The Saints, you don't you don't synonymize them with being five and five. You you think about the Saints and you think about the likes of the past with Drew Brees and everybody like that, and you think, oh gosh, the Saints are one of the powerhouse teams, right? They've been through so much of the franchise, yet they're at a stage where. Okay, Avon Kamara, you know, he served a suspension or whatever, even he's back and he may be looking all right here and there. But again, Michael Thomas, I'm sorry, but he's done. I don't really understand. He, he's done. Aside from running slots across the side, middle of the field, he's done. And he's out. He's on IR now for four weeks, whatever it may be. He's a thing of the past. I think for the Saints, in terms of moving forward, um, 
I don't want to say rebuilding. They st- they still do have some pieces there. Whether Derek Carr is the man to take them forward, I don't really know personally. I mean, Derek Carr obviously didn't work out with the Raiders, although he was there for a while. Um, it's guys like Rashid Shahid and and and, and Alave and potentially Kamara, who's still still a good a good running back. Um, defensively, I still think they've got a few holes. Um, not too great at rushing the passer outside of the standout guys on the, on the edge who, who you know who, who do their job and do it well and do it consistently for years, but. It's just, it's. I just think the Saints overall, and you can say that for pretty much all the, all the teams. I say that excluding excluding the Panthers, obviously. Um, they're just at a weird stage of their uh, of their their season, or the, you know, their time as a franchise right now, where not too much. Yeah, to none, be of happy these, about. none None of these Go teams on. in the South seem to be committed to like blowing it up and starting. Again. Yeah, they all exactly. seem they're to stuck. be. Yeah, the one thing I will say on the on the, the defense, one thing I will say, I think the cornerbacks are good, and the Saints cornerbacks are are good, and. Granderson's look good. Cam's looking old. Um, <laughs> you know, there's work. To, there's work to be done. Their linebackers, mm. Demario, Demario's still plays at a decent level, but Pete Warren has had a drop off this season. hasn't been as competitive as he's been in previous years. I agree with you with Taron. I think mm. he's he's looked tired this year. We've got mm-hmm. a young safety called Jordan Howden who we picked up in. Oh, I've seen him. The fifth or sixth round. He looks like a solid young safety. Quite adaptable, can play you know multiple safety positions. Yeah. Um, good, strong tackle in the open field. I'd like to see him play for the rest of the season. To be honest, I'm not bothered if it's Taron or Marcus May mm-hmm. that drops out the side. I think you know Howden's shown enough that he can he can start uh, and and build to the future with his defense as well. Exactly. One that. thing they got I was fine... going to say. Like, so I was just going to say they got fine guys to build around, and some of the yeah. guys that you've mentioned there, some of the younger guys, are, they they're going to have to. They're going to have to make that move and start to look at, you know, getting rid, I say getting rid of, but releasing some of the guys who perhaps don't do it for the team. I mean, you can look at Shaq Leonard. His is different reasons. He just got waived yesterday and that's for different reasons, injuries, surgeries, etc. But the NFL is a business first and it's about winning. You have to mm. move on some of these guys who perhaps don't do it for the team anymore. And, and when you look at it from a business point of view, are affecting the team financially. And so it makes sense to move on and build the younger generation. So I think you'll see I, some I, of that coming. I, I was going to say, yeah, I hope that our owner takes that view with our head coach, um, because <laughs> you know they say he's a bit, he's not, he's not performing. Dennis Allen has, I think, he's won twenty games in his career between us and the Raiders as a head coach. Lost like forty-two or forty-eight games. Yeah. He's got a losing record wherever he's been. He's just he's, he's a decent, decent defense coordinator. Looks good has a good defense when he's a coordinator. But I just think you have to be a bit different to become a head coach. Um, one thing I wanted to just pull out before you uh, we move on is. Um, one thing that Saints are going to have a problem with this weekend is um, on defence, the Falcons have got Ryan Nelson as their defence coordinator. He's been with the Saints since 2017. <laughs> um, they've also got David Onyemata. They've got Caden yep. Ellis. Um, and they've got Kadavia Street, who spent a year with us. They've also got Storm Norton on the offensive line. The Saints haven't changed the hand signals that they use wow. in-game since before Sean Payton was there. So those guys know all the hand signals. Wow. So the Saints just... are going to have to change it up for this Isn't game. Isn't that insane? That's insane, right? Oh, you would think at this level of sport, you don't. You've heard about the college issues and people stealing signs, and you. I mean, when I played, it was you changed. You change your signals pretty much every week because it's one of the most basic things. This is the NFL. If you can't be bothered to change your hand signals and whatever, then I'm sorry, you you deserve whatever comes your way. Yeah, and this this is the carry on with it. They've tried to have consistency by keeping Pete Carmichael. Mm. Just. You know, bring somebody in. I, you know, I'd be quite happy if we, um, if DA goes in the year and I'd go and get Ben Johnson from the Lions. That would oh, be my watch out. My he's going to get Ben Johnson. Up. He's, he's yeah, got to get him this year because he's not going to be around yeah. after this year. No. Absolutely not. 
Studs, yeah. one, one last question on the Saints before we move across to the Falcons. Obviously, the guys have made some good points here about the Saints and they need to kind of start moving on and looking at the younger generation. Is the problem, is it the fact that they're top of the division at five and five where they don't want to make that commitment yet? Because I think, well, what we've got, <clears throat> it's not great. Yeah, it's not, we know it's not great, but we're top of the division. We're going to make the playoffs. So are they thinking it's too risky to make these moves, Studs? What do you think? I, I see it. the first thing that I caught was Dad nodding his head up the top right there. I, th I think it really is, to be honest. I mean, if you're going to get into the playoffs and you're going to be playing January football, then I think it makes it difficult to kind of, I suppose, blow up and start again. Um, I've, I've a Chiefs fan, so I've got a soft spot for Tyron Matthew. I've got a side ball from him in the cupboard behind me, sitting there. So I thought it was a great story when he went to New Orleans, obviously, playing with Louisiana through college and stuff like that. So, nice feel-good story. But, again, I kind of track him now and again. You don't see him. Last year, I think he did have a couple of big plays, but this year you're not really hearing about Honey Badger at all, which is saying that he's not really making those plays. Um, yeah. The guys have said a couple of great young wide receivers. I think Raheem uh, Shahid has made a couple of great, great big plays um, and linked up a couple of times with Derek Carr. Alavi's maybe not quite had that link with Derek Carr as yet. Um, I think, again, we've seen Alavi's talents last year, so you know right away that the Saints have got a, a cracking talent at wide receiver as well. So it's pr it is probably time to start get rid of those big contracts because, I mean, let's face it, Matthew, Hayward, people like that are going to be on a lot of money. So mm -hmm. it makes sense to start Seeing if you can get those contracts yeah. out the door and we've start getting, on, we've got outs on both safeties this off season if we if we want to take them on their contracts. Um, yeah. So the thing that worries me is if they make the playoffs, they've played two teams this season with winning records and they've lost both games. <laughs> so it's just going to be, an, you know, it could be. I don't. I'll never cheer for the Saints to lose, and I want them to do as well as possible. But another year of Dennis Allen, if they get to the playoffs, I think a lot of fans will will vote with their feet on that and, and not go to games. Do you think if they make the playoffs and go one and done that Dennis Allen would still be in a hot seat then, Dan? Yeah, I think he'll get another year. I think they'll probably try and get a new offensive coordinator in. Um, probably move on from Pete Carmichael. I think DA will, will have excuses. He'll, like last year, he was like, well, these players got injured. And if I'd had my QB all year and now Derek Carr's had a couple of injuries and he's going to say, well, Marshawn Lattimore with this injury. and yeah, They're all out to say, you know, if I get a season where it all falls together, I'll be okay. But they should have got rid of the OC in the off-season, but allegedly they couldn't find anyone who wanted to come and work with Dennis Allen. Allegedly. <laughs> what Matt, Matt Canada's looking for a job now. <laughs> this is what frustrates me. Um, Dorsey's gone from the Bills. Canada's yeah. gone from the Steelers. It's like, just pull the trigger and go. But because they because it is five and five, they think they're mm. so close. And they think, you know, we get there, anything can happen in the playoffs. But as I said, they've only won... They've only played two teams with winning records and they've lost both games. They've all got winning records. Well, the, maybe um, not in the South, but... Dorsey's actually a good point. Obviously, he's sitting there with a winning record that the Bills a strong relationship with Josh Allen. And as you mm. say, the Bills pulled the trigger. Whether that's... Depending on some of the podcasts you, make, you listen to, it, but there's feelings that that was maybe something to do with McDermott maybe not liking him um, rather than anything else. But mm. again, that's a, that is a winning record. A team that's been late drives in the playoffs the last couple of years, um, pulling the trigger, as you see, pulling the trigger. It's, it's a team that, that recognises they maybe need something to get them over 
the next step was is the Saints are just happy to they're quite a loyal organization. They they they're happy to bide their time. And in this league, as, as George says, it's a business and you've got you've got to move quickly. Um I think I, I like Josh out of Ben Johnson, uh, to be honest. I think I think he's definitely going to be doing the rounds amongst the head coaching hot seats. Um, 100 percent summer. Yeah. yeah. Just before we move across the Falcons, just something that's popped up there as a as a very on topic. Drew Brees has done an interview where basically saying he can no longer throw the ball with his right hand because really? he's injured. He had in his shoulder. All he the damaged. Yeah. He says if he could, he could, he'd still be playing if he could throw the ball with his right hand, but he just can't. It's just popped up on ESPN there. So mm. just on topic, right? Let's move across to the Falcons. Uh, and there's only one what place we can start. Wait, there's only one place we can start with the Falcons, and there's only one person on here that's going to be qualified to answer this question. George, what's going on with Bijan Robinson? <laughs> Man, right. The Falcons, first and foremost, are a very... I don't want to say the Falcons. I'll say Arthur Smith, right? Very strange way of handling this team. If you watched the quarterback series on Netflix, you would have seen what happened with Marcus Mariota and him not being with the team and then moving on to Ridder, who I have never... Champion- I mean, I'm not one to, to slate anybody who's playing this sport at any level because it takes a lot to play this sport. And to play it at the highest level means you're obviously decent, right? But come on, there are levels and we know there are levels. Why would you get rid of Marcus Mariota if you're going to start someone like Devin Ridder who can't throw the ball? Yes, he had one or two decent games where he did air the ball out. But really and truly, Mariota can do both, run the ball and pass the ball. I mean, he for me anyway, I, I didn't really see the point of moving to Ridder. I'm not a fan of Ridder. I don't think he was good for the team. Lo and behold, they bring in Heineke, who I thought probably should have started out as, as opposed to 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 um to Ridder. Bijan is a talent and a half. I mean, you've seen what the guy can do. I saw him in London at the Wembley game and he is special. I mean, you see it pretty much week in, week out, aside from the game where he didn't play or played very limited snaps because he was ill or feeling ill and there's a whole talk about why it wasn't why it wasn't reported, etc, etc. I mean, it's strange, right? It's strange. He's he's a great talent. He's he's amazing. He's not on, he's not on an amazing team. Um, and you can almost say, like, what, what next for the Falcons? You know, it hasn't worked this time around. It didn't work last time around. And, and there's even talks about Arthur Smith potentially getting the chop. He's out there at conferences talking about, you know, this is my team. I'm going to handle things my way. I don't regret making decisions. But at the same time, you've got guys like Bijan who are standing out. You've got guys like Calais Campbell who they traded for, who's a legend of the game and everyone looks upon and respects. Um, and it's kind of, I don't, it's kind of going south for these guys right now, you know? Um, you, you draft a guy like Bijan, and normally people talk about, all right, you draft a guy like that because, you know, it's your best chance to win. When they drafted him, I wasn't entirely sure about that because they obviously got Tyler Algier, who's a great running back in his own right. Um, and to me, it kind of said, well, this seems a bit like an Arthur Smith move. Um, it doesn't look like they're going anywhere fast. I, 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 I kind of, I feel sorry for Bijan a little bit because it's, it's like, like a lot of these guys that get drafted. Obviously, you're going to a team who isn't particularly doing very well. That's just the nature of it. Unless you're... Um, Eli Manning and you demand to be traded elsewhere when you do get drafted, which fair play to him. He didn't want to be with the Chargers and he wanted to be with the Giants. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's tricky because you want to see someone like that not 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 wasted away, right? He could be on a different team doing absolute bits and potentially going for the playoffs and winning rings. And I'm not saying they won't make it, but for me, the Falcons are another one of them teams um, who are at a sort of meddling level four and six in the, in the, in the, in the, um, the, the South and they're not going anywhere fast. I don't know how many more games they're going to win. And if you're Bijan, what are you thinking? You know, what are you thinking? Are you thinking, all right, I'm still going to give everything my all. I mean, obviously, this is rookie season. You do need to play well because you're playing for contracts down the line. 
but it becomes it becomes a game of okay, you know, where are we going next? What are we going to do next? There might be two and zero in the division, but they're four and six, you know, in 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 the league right now. So I don't know. I I, I love the guy. He's amazing at what he does. You can see it. You know, he passes the eye test every week. But when you're on a team who isn't necessarily going anywhere fast, and you know, the, the, I feel like the players are starting, just starting to lose the locker room ever so slightly when it comes to Arthur Smith, who, in my opinion, isn't the best of head coaches. You know, there's a lot of talk about him being given <clears throat> given the team because of links to his dad and owning FedEx, I yeah. believe it is, and whatever else is around yeah. that. So it's tricky, man. I I I I love the guy, but he's not in the best situation. Yeah. Whenever I see Arthur Smith, he looks like someone who's won a competition to be a head coach of an NFL yeah, team. Yeah, right. He looks a bit like he doesn't, he shouldn't be there. Yeah. Um, and like to, to, to George's point on Bijan Robinson, he's got, I think he's got um, 830 or 820 all purpose yards. And that's with a coach who's not using him effectively. You know, imagine you give him to, you know, Mike McDaniels and see what he does with him. I've got his stats here. So him and uh, Taylor Algier have both had 125 touches this year. Algier's 402, Robinson 612. That's just on the ground. Mm-hmm. And Robinson's averaging just missed about five yards a carry. Do you know what I mean? So and I say that's when he's not getting used. Receptions, mm-hmm. uh, 208 yards, averaging 7.2. So when he's not being used, he, the numbers he's got there are impressive. Do you know what I mean? So tell you what, some, there is some. Sorry, George, I'll quite finish a sentence. No, no, no. There, there is something weird going on there where you've got that generational talent mm. and you're not using them. There's something not right there somewhere. George, there you go, sorry. The, the problem that I have with what happens here is kind of like how I saw Najee Harris with the Steelers last season, where they draft a guy high, he's a great talent, and they run him into the ground. They do everything with this one guy. The Falcons don't pass the ball. They don't do it because they can't really do it. Taylor Heineke is slightly better at passing the ball than than anybody else on the roster. You have guys like Drake London who was drafted so high. You have um, the tight end who his name escapes me because he's hardly used. Yeah, Carl Pitts. I mean, he should be spoken about so often. But then what happens is you end up using Bijan so much that, and I hope this doesn't happen, he becomes so devalued or worse still, he gets hurt. Look at Najee Harris right now. He's nowhere to be seen. Jalen Warren is a man in, at the Steelers right now. And I don't think this will happen to, to Bijan because he's too fresh, too young, looks too good. But that's my fear. When they do this to guys, they bring him into their team and they make them the be-all and end-all. If he was on a team where they could at least pass the ball, can you imagine what that would do for his play? Where they have to ex- at least respect the pass or expect the pass, opening up the run game for someone like Bijan. Yeah, I don't vibe with it. I'm, I feel sorry for the guy, but... Yeah. When I was looking at the stats before the game, I was I went to look at who the top performer is in each position for the Falcons. Smith is has got more yards than and touchdowns than carpets. Yeah. And he they, he was the fourth pick in the draft. They, yeah. Again, yeah. another player they're not using mm-hmm. to 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 the skill set that he's got. Yeah. Which don't don't, don't don't mind me. I'm happy with them doing that. They can do it as much as they want. Especially this weekend. Yeah, yeah this weekend I don't care. Just throw it, you know, keep let rid of throw it all day. I don't care. Yeah. It's not gonna do anything, sure. but no, you know, it's mismanaged. As George says, they're mismanaging key skill positions. Drake London yeah. again, second run, second wide receiver off the board in that draft class. Went off before Chris Alave, um, and, and other players. And you know, again, being misused. Long may it continue, but <laughs> it won't if he, if they've got a clue what to yeah. do at head coach. But they've got so they've got three players at the skill positions on that side of the ball who are arguably could be up there with the best in the league, but they're not. They're just looking average. I mean, Studs, as someone who has a team that has one wide receiver who's actually a tight end, <laughs> what's a... Kyle Pitts, the, the hype, everything round about Kyle Pitts was huge. And he was 
Same as um, Bijan, once in a generation talent, he, he was going to be the best tight end that's come out of college for years. What's going wrong there? Is it because Atlanta don't know how to use him or they don't have the quarterback to use him? I, I would say they don't have the I don't have a quarterback really. Um I mean Heineke looked good in flashes at the commanders when he was the starting QB there. So I'm I'm with George. I thought when Heineke signed for the Falcons, I thought he's going to be the starting quarterback, but they've pushed on with Ridder. Ridder's obviously proven to be a turnover machine, whether it's what was it, three fumbles in the red zone? I think yeah. he had a few weeks back. Mm. Um so the the quarterback issues aren't helping him. You look at Pitts his first season, there was over a thousand yards um, in his first season. So they were getting him the ball the first season, and since then he's just I think he had injuries last year, so you maybe forgive him last year. He's on the field this year. Um so they really should be utilizing him. I think it was actually Drake London when he got drafted, he was excited to be in the same team as Pitts. I think he called them the Twin Towers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because the two guys are absolute monsters. So they should be utilising, getting jump balls up to these guys. There's not probably not going to be many guys that beat them if you're throwing a jump ball up for you for Pitts in London just because of the, the height and size of these guys. So uh, for me, again, you can look, we've spoke about Arthur Smith mismanagement as well. Um, a lot of that's going to come down to the coaching because the coach is the one that's picked that QB to start. So ultimately for me, you're probably looking at falls on the coach, but I don't think they've got a quarterback there. Um, I think that's where they need to look. Right, just, just before we get to the prediction, just going back to what you're talking about Arthur Smith looking like somebody that's won a competition. Dan, see when you look at me, to me, if they ever to make a TV show about American football like Ted Lasso, I think Arthur, Arthur Smith would be the guy that would play your NFL coach in, in the American football version <laughs> of Ted, La- Ted Lasso. That's what, that's what I, the vibes I get from him. Right, let's get to predictions. Uh, Dan, we know what side of the ball you're going with this one, but what's your how much are the Saints going to win by? <laughs> I think it'll be if they, if we win, it'll be like three points in it. I think I think it's yeah. going to be come down to a field goal, which worries me because our kicker has missed some clutch kicks, but he's in a dome, so mm. in his favour. But you know, Falcons got one of the best kickers in the league. Uh, but yeah, I, I can see he's been like a you know twenty-one to twenty-four or something like that potentially that kind of score. George. Yeah, I've got a Saints win. Um, I think they've, you know, they've got they've got the better offense. They've got the better defense. Um, and obviously, Derek. I, I think Derek Carr's playing, right? Is he? He's he's banged up. But I think he's yeah. Beat right is the saying he's going to come out of concussion protocol, so he should play. Right. Yeah, he was I think still, he comes out. Participant in training. Ah, okay. So I think he comes out and makes a bit of a statement, and I think you guys win by a touchdown, something like again twenty-one to fourteen, perhaps. Studs. I'm going Saints as well. Let's see. I can't, Dan mentioned obviously their secondary is looking good. Obviously, we know the Falcons' issues with throwing the ball, so the Saints are going to be able to creep up and really try and stuff that run. Ridders are turnover machine, as we've already spoken about. I'm going Saints. I'll go. I'll go twenty to seventeen. Dan, I'm going to apologise in advance because this is going to be a full house, and whenever this happens on the preview crew, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much tradition that if they think a full house on here, that they're going to lose. So I apologise, but I'm going for a Saints win as well. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go very similar score line to you guys. It's going to be, it's going to be tight. All right, so let's move on to game two. Um, so talk about teams that are in divisions that aren't doing very well and are wide open. The next two teams are. Can still win their divisions if they're very wide open. Uh, we're going to go with yourself, obviously, for this one, George. It's, it's mm. the Colts traveling to the Bucks. Uh, how's this matchup going to go? 
This is a tricky one. You see, Colts have won two on a bounce um, into the bye week, which is great, albeit the game you know wasn't high-scoring in Frankfurt. But I think for the Colts, I'm going to say I think the Colts win first and foremost in a very, very close game. Um, we are, I'll say, very underrated in the sense that we're missing so many pieces. Not only do we have a new first-time head coach, not only do we have our dual threat um one of the better dual threat quarterbacks in the league in Anthony Richardson. Um, not only do we have our um, top five run-stopping defensive back in a couple of weeks, not only we, do, we don't have our cornerback, Juju Brents, who's out, which should be returning actually, which will be huge because up against a guy like Mike Evans, it'd be a good battle. But we have so many injuries um, and we, we essentially just don't have our full squad. Um, we miss, we're missing guys like Ashton Julian. Not people, not a lot of people even know about him. He's one of our slot receivers who I think he toys ACL or toys Achilles early on in training camp. So from right from the start, and obviously you've seen the issues of Anthony Richardson not finishing games, etc. He's been very unlucky, right? Right from the start, we've had issues, and Shane Starkin has done an amazing job in terms of us being five and five where we are right now. And dare I say it, the kind of harder teams we've we faced already. And I will say some of the games were taken away from us. I will never back down from saying that these officials, they need to get it right. I mean, I'm referring to the Browns game here and some other games uh, in the game, in the line of games that we had early in the season. So technically, for me, we are a better team than what our record shows, even with the missing guys, even with the injuries and with our new head coach, Shane Steichen, and our backup quarterback. If you put all of that together... We're actually doing okay. And I mean, I'll go out and say I was never expecting the team to get any more than five wins this season. That was it. For me, it was about building the chemistry with Anthony Richardson, Josh Downs, the superb rookie from North Carolina, who I cannot speak highly enough about. Um, and our defense, our defensive line is top five in the league. It's insane. Even without um, Grover Stewart, guys like linebackers like Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed, who, by the way, Franklin leads the league in tackles. He uh, he holds the Colts franchise record in tackles and is on pace to break both his own record and the league record. Um, you've seen the news about letting Shaq Leonard go, and that's, you know, won't get into that because that's a whole other story. But I think the Colts are a very underrated team. Um, and with all our issues right now, I think we're doing well to be five and five. So coming up against that Tampa Bay, who, I mean, both teams are third in their, in their divisions. The Colts have one more win than, than the Bucks do. Um, it'll be a very, very tough game, I feel for sure. I mean, Bucks traditionally have that record of being, you know, defensively stout against a run. Necess hasn't necessarily been the case this season. Um, but I do think the, I think the Colts are winning a very, very, very close game. Um, and I think it may come down to our secondary. Our secondary is quite weak. We lost Isaiah Rogers before the season even started to a betting, I think, betting scandal, and he's now been picked up by the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, so our secondary is definitely a weak point. And when you're looking at the Bucks, you've got guys like Mike Evans who are ready to take the roof off. Chris Godwin hasn't been amazing. Um, so it's going to be an interesting one. I think it'll be. A I think it'd be an entertaining game to watch. Obviously, we've got the likes of Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss, a great one-two punch in the league. You saw what Zach Moss did for us when Jonathan Taylor was still in the contract talk situation before he announced that he was signing and staying with the team. So um, I'm looking forward to it a lot. Um, I'm going to go over Colts' win. I think we'll do just enough. I mean, and again, there's a lot of talk about Colts making the playoffs. That's not my aim and that's not what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for week-to-week -week progress. We make do with what we've got. Um, and I think, Next season is going to be a huge season for us. But as for as for this game, um, it'll be tight, it'll be close. I think the Colts do get a win. Um, and again, I can't say I can't say enough about the Colts. I think we I think we're doing we're doing good with what we've got, and and, and props to Shane Steichen for that. Yeah, I think. Uh, I was going to say. I'm, I'm going to say this preseason, the Colts got a lot of love on on our podcast. Um, we'll come in a wee, in a wee second. I'll, I'll 
couple of studs after the next point. Studs is a massive, and I was the same about Richardson coming out of college. He was going to be the guy. We think, studs, I can't remember. I think we both picked him to go to the Colts. They came to the draft, and we thought that's how right fit. We thought the Colts were the, the best fit for Anthony Richardson, and I think it started to look like that. Yeah, I'll come back to him in a wee second, but Dan, I'm going to come to you quickly. Uh, Georgia mentioned obviously Taylor and Moss. I mean, as a Zach Moss fantasy owner, I'm now raging that Taylor's yeah. back. But <laughs> uh, how do you see the balance between Moss and Taylor for the rest of the season, Dan? How do you think they're going to, they're going to run with that? Well, I've, I've got them both in one league, so <laughs> um, I, I, I think that Taylor, unless something goes wrong, he, he carries the bulk of the bulk of the load. He's just a phenomenal talent. Probably, probably still is the best running back in the league. I would say. Uh, a pure running back when, when you're watching plays. I, I saw it firsthand when you, they played the Saints this year. He ran all over us um, in the first half. Um, he's just I just think he's a phenomenal talent. And I just, it's a shame that Jim Mercy didn't sort those contract talks out earlier and start mm-hmm. the season with him. Uh, one thing I was going to say is a friend of mine, Dyer, was absolutely banging the table for the Saints to draft Josh, um, Josh Downs. Um before the draft took place, he is to, to George Bond, he's a fantastic receiver. Yep. When you look at the size of him and how he comes down with those contested catches, that he's got no right coming down with a ball. He's going to be a great player in the league for sure. Um, and one other point I had is on in terms of the Bucks defense, do you know they're 31st overall Against. in the passing game? So there's an opportunity there for sure for the Colts to throw the ball up, definitely because they're not. Don't, great don't. Dan, you're you're getting a preview into into some of my picks, so you need you need to stop. Apologies. Studs, as someone you did, you banged Anthony Richardson. I'm huge in the off season, um, and obviously we're, we're all looking forward to seeing what he could do. And he started to show flashes. Um, I'm not going to ask you, are they missed them? Because that's a very obvious question. But has Minshew come in and done enough? I think when you looked at the QB room for the Colts, um, for me, having Minshew as the backup, again, made sense. There's a lot of a link there with Shane Steichen, obviously coming for the Eagles and knowing Shane Steichen's offence. Um, so from that aspect, I think it made sense to have somebody like Minshew. Again, we've, we've all seen these kind of videos and promos and commercials, so it does come across as a very likeable guy. You kind of get them, the, the hugs with his dad after he won with the Eagles last year in the tunnel. It just seems like one of these guys you'd love to have in your locker room, to be honest. Um, so he's not exactly maybe set the header alight like he did when he first broke onto the scene at the Jags. There's been a lot of, a lot of turnovers, a lot of interceptions from him, things like that. So he's his plays maybe not been what you'd maybe hope for of, of having somebody like Minshew as a backup. But again, as George said, they're sitting five and five. Um, do you know what I mean? So they've they've got some of those wins in there with Minshew. It's not always looked pretty, but you've got to see he's doing a job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I mean, obviously, Josh Downs just started to show what he can do as well. And that's, and that's I think, as a lot of people are, are hoping for big things for me, started to, to show. A, a good, a good, a, sorry, showing progress in terms of what he's been doing. Flipping over the other side of the ball, I can't. I watched the game the other week. I can't. I can't maybe on red zone. I can't remember who the Colts are playing, but I think I remember every time red zone went to the Colts, the only player's name that I mentioned was DeForest Buckner. I, he was either tackling everybody or sacking everybody. It was yeah. the only time he was taking on 
I can't remember who they were playing, but he seemed to be the only player yeah. that was taking on the whole team himself. Um, the cause defensive line. Tell us about him. How good is he? Buckner, Buckner himself is just a wrecking ball. I think I saw a stat about him and, and his pressures and he's obviously playing on the interior defensive line. He's just, he's been doing it since his days at the 49ers. He hasn't stopped. Doesn't matter where he's been, he just hasn't stopped. And that's one of our strong points on that defensive line. But that defensive line, and again, as I mentioned it earlier, we're missing Grover Stewart, who's top five in terms of run stopping. You've got guys like Bayo Dengbo, who had three sacks in the game on in Frankfurt. Um, you've got Taekwon Lewis on that defensive line. You've got so many guys on that defensive line who are just so hungry and are actually stepping up to the plate and they're doing a lot. It's such an underrated defensive line, such an underrated defensive line. Um, and then you, again, I mentioned their names earlier, you bring in the linebackers who subsequently fill in for that void. If they if they do make it past the defensive line, the linebackers are there to clean up. Um, to Buckner, you know, he leads that group. He's a leader in what he does. Um, I spoke to him after the game in, in Frankfurt post-game conference. And again, he was so full of praise for his teammates and the lifting up others because he knows that people look up to him in that room and he is a leader for all the and the leader for the, of the team as well um so no it's going to be it's going to be a very 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 good game i'll obviously be watching very very closely because if we can get this win it will really set us up for good things moving forward but again i'm not getting my hopes up i'm, I'm very much a realist week to week for me um if we can get the win against the bucks in a very very hard game then you know we'll, we'll take it and we'll move forward yeah Excellent. Just before we move on uh, to talk about the box, I've just been looking through the comments that folk have been moving, moving, making on uh, YouTube and Twitch and stuff like that. And there's one Polar Knights, you're going to get a crack of a shout here. It says, <laughs> as a barber, I love this show as it's a perfect evolution of beard growth. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be studs with nothing, then you'll just get the tash. Yeah. I've got a bit, and then we go to Dan. This is all you get from me, man. This is all you get. Nothing else that's grows it. around here. This is it. <laughs> that's, that's great observation. Um, <laughs> I love, I love that. I love that. That's the kind of content. I, said, I had a growth this morning, but the dog licked my face to wake me up, so I'll come off. <laughs> right, let's flip it over then to the Bucks. So, uh, as as a crew, Brian, uh, one of our guys, he's a massive Baker Mayfield fan. He, he's a Browns fan. He, he still regrets the day that the, the Browns got rid of them. Um, Studs, what, what's your thoughts on the Bucks this season? <laughs> Again, Baker's actually looked decent. Let's be let's be honest about it. I don't think Baker's been the issue at the box. Eh, to be honest, I'm just I was looking at his stats earlier. So we've got he's he's had six picks. He's got 15 touchdowns and nearly two and a half thousand yards. So he's not he's Baker's not been bad. He's been chucking about. Mike Evans has been Mike Evans. He's taking the top off the of defenses. He's getting the touchdowns. The really surprising one for me is probably Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really maybe that comes down to Baker and obviously Evans is a favourite target of his um, or maybe just Godwin's not getting open but we've seen seasons well, seen seasons with Brady essentially where he was facilitating Evans and Godwin both of them looked looked like a great uh, wide receiver tandem you're not really seeing that it seems to be it's Evans or nothing um, just yeah. now for the Bucks, um, and I think even I was looking at their their rushing game as well. I think um, I think I seen somewhere in the th- they're awful. They are um, awful. I think the 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 bottom team in the league for their rushing. Yeah. Um, where Rashad White is obviously mm-hmm. their lead, leading rushing back. He's uh, again anytime I've seen him, he just seems to be getting hit run about the line of scrimmage. You're not seeing a great running back, which is obviously forcing Baker to throw the ball more. Um, if they had a decent RB in there, 
then again, I think you maybe even see Baker thriving more. You'd maybe see more of Godwin, but mm. aye, it's they've certainly got their issues on offense, um, and I think probably their run game's one of the leading factors that's causing them issues. Yeah, look at the stats here. So Rashad, like, just going to the rushing first, he's averaging three point three yards per rush. If you're number one running back, that is that is very poor. But he's going to the receiving side of the ball. As you mentioned, obviously Mike Evans is the one putting up the yards. He's actually Chris Godwin's had more catches than him, only by two, only almost forty eight to fifty. But the big difference wow. is on those forty eight receptions, Mike Evans has got seven hundred eighty yards. He's averaging sixteen point three yards a catch. Mike Evans is insane, man. Godwin's fighting that. Yeah. Oh, I hate yeah. Mike Evans. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, for you guys, there's obviously that rivalry. Mike Evans, I mean, this uh, the run game is, is, is trash, as you mentioned, but Rashad White is great in space. And I, that's something that the Patriots did with Andre Stevenson. Get them in space and they can run all over you. But as it goes, being 31st or 32nd is not going not gonna to do you any favours. Mike Evans on 700 and something yards. He's on track again to hit that 1,000-yard mark for, the, I don't know, how many consistent seasons that he does it. Very, very under-the-radar guy. Um, but, Stud, you said something that I really agreed with. Baker Mayfield, like it or not, has been decent, man. The guy's been okay for the for the Bucks, and that kind of took me by surprise because that's not what I wasn't – it's not what I was expecting. You mentioned Godwin, who's pretty much – you know, a no-show for whatever reason. I know he had the ACL injury that he came back, I think it was ACL, that he came back from relatively quick. Um, they're not an exciting team to watch as such. And, you know, their defensive unit, you probably got some stats there, Dan. Their defensive unit, traditionally, you know, when Brady was there, at least, was known for that that stout defensive run, like Vita Vea and guys like that, even Sue when they had Sue. So it's going to be a weird one. I mean, I don't, I, again, I still think the Colts will win, but they do have the weapons and the people like Mike Evans and I think Cade Orton is now their tight end one. It's a strange one. It's a strange one. But Baker's been playing well, so credit to him because he's, he's been through a rough time. Yeah. There's, a, well, there's an argument to say Baker Mayfield might be the best QB in the NFC South. Might be. Which I get. I, people I, I would I, argue it's, you know, it's not a lot between yeah. this season. not a lot between his performance and Derek Carr's performance, mm-hmm. I, I think. I don't think it's yeah. unfair to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before just before we move on to the defensive side of the ball, just to something on Rashad White. So we mentioned there, Godwin's got fifty receptions, Mike Evans got forty-eight. Rashad White's got forty-one receptions this season. I think it's so the highest actually, in the league for running backs. He's he's he's, average, he's got an average of eight point six yards through the year, and he's got three hundred and fifty. So yeah, he's he's not doing it on the ground, but he seems to be doing okay when when, you see, when he gets into space and when he's when he's getting That's the it. catches. So. I mean, if you're running back to only have nine less catches, sorry, seven less catches in your number one wide receivers, that's that's very unusual. I think, I I think it's I think it's him and him and Kamara have got the most catches for a running back because Kamara's was ridiculous because Carr was just slinging at him as a dump off before the play yeah. had even <laughs> evolved. Yeah, Kamara, ridiculous how yeah. Not so it's not only one scrimmage, you had someone on his throat, and I think it's probably the same there. Yeah. With him as well. Normally with a running back, you'd say that they basically that quick check down if there's a blitz. So I'll go to the running back because he's there. But they're doing that and he's getting averaging eight point six yards on these receptions. So it's not as if it's just literally dropping the ball off to him. He's getting a couple of yards and get tackled. He's getting the ball and then almost getting a first down every time he catches the ball for a running back, which is pretty impressive. Right, let's move across. So defensive, we mentioned there. So the the, the Russian defense is top what at worst top six in the league. Looking at the stats. Um, they're averaging teams are averaging only 3.7 yards against them, and they're only allowing 90 yards average per game uh, on the ground. 
Um, Dan, what have you made of their defence this season? So sorry, how do I rate their defence this year? What, what have you thought of the, the, the Bucks' defence? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 they're great against the run, but their their secondary and the passing defence is just giving up too much. They're thirty second in the league or thirty first in the league for yard average yards given up per game. It's just you know, don't expect that from a Todd Bowles um, defence, really, do you? You expect them to be a bit tighter than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know whether it's yeah, I'm not sure what the changes they've had there, whether it's you know changes to linebackers or cornerbacks or safeties, but it's definitely something isn't isn't the way it's been over previous previous years. Because George said their defence when they had you know Tom Brady, it was it was stout. It was you know you wasn't they was one of their best features yeah. aside from their wide res- well actually to be fair when Brady was there they built an all round team didn't they? they were strong pretty much every 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 facet facet of the team was strong yeah. but they just don't look as as competitive on the defense that's probably what's let them down this year they probably would be top of the NFC South if their defense was playing better in in that that part of the game yeah. I, th- I think they they lost a few pieces in the off season in their defense because we obviously backed up Mike Edwards from them at safety. And as Jordan Whitehead, I've got a feeling it was at the Jets he went to moved it, as yeah, well. Yeah. So, as I say, they've obviously lost a couple of those pieces, um, which I think they've not replaced. They just had Jamal Dean as well go down in on the weekend as well, mm. who's he was a big part of their defense too. So, yeah, they're looking a bit rocky, man, which is great news for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you say, the secondary not doing well at stopping the passing game and. What you don't want is someone like Josh Downs coming in on form against you. So, um, also, also really bad in third down situations as well on defense. One of the worst in the league on third downs. If you're facing a QB like Gardner Minshew, who's going to going to scramble if nothing's open, then I think there's plenty of opportunities for the Colts there to to pick up those those third downs and convert. Yeah, them. just on, on that point you just made, Dan. I've got the stats here uh, against third down the team. So they're giving up the first down on 47% of the time. They're number 30th in the league oh. uh, for, for on third down defence. Yeah. Um, and this one, they actually rated high for us, which I think shows you how good the league is. To be fair, they're, they're seventh on fourth down, but they're still allowing 40% of fourth downs to be converted. That mm. puts them seventh in the league. So, yeah, to, be, to, to basically be giving up a first down on half of your first down, sorry, to be giving a first down on half of your third down plays is never going to get you anywhere. Hmm. Right, let's move on to predictions. So, Dan, we'll start with yourself. I'm going to go for a Colts win here. I, I think I think it'll probably be. A, I'm going to say a comfortable win as well. Hmm. Obviously, you're going by for a win, uh, George. We mentioned it, but how? Yeah, you think um, I think it might be another low-scoring one. I'm going to go. Actually, tell a lie. You've got. They've got a guy. I think it's um, Turner, one of the one of the quicker receivers that I saw this weekend, who looks pretty good, and I know they'll be targeting that secondary. So, I'm probably going to go Colts win by a field goal. I'm looking at twenty three twenty. Studs. <laughs> I'm laughing because George literally just picked the score I was going to go with. <laughs> 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 um, I, um, the only one I'm slightly nervous about is maybe Josh Downs because he's obviously coming back for injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's missed, missed at least a week, I think, with injury. Um, mm-hmm. And then they've covered off the bye and stuff. So, But I still think the Colts will win it. Um, I'll, get, I'll, just, I'll go with a field goal on it, um, to be fair. Excellent. The Colts are going to lose this week as well, Ian, because I'm going to lose. It's an house. I think, I think the Colts, I mean, if they can get, if they can do something with this run, because obviously... I've mentioned the box D's 
on on the ground is good. But when you've got Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor there, you're going to have to come up with some sort of game plan yeah. to get around that. So whether that's getting them out wide and doing not running through the middle, running out like off the edge and stuff like that, just to try and move it, move it about. I think they, I think they've got two good enough running backs that they can come up with a game plan that will get around that D. So I'm going to go with the Colts as well. And I'll probably go by a touchdown. I'm going, I'm going to go by that. We just need Minshew to not turn the ball over. That's it. So it sounds like most teams and their quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move on to the last game. So a couple of really interesting points on this game. So unbelievably, if the season finished today, the Vikings would be in the playoffs. Mm. It's this new phenomenon called the Dobber effect. It's very, very. I mean, credit to him, man. Credit to him, because and also, it's hard to believe, but there is someone out here that talks more no- nonsense than the crew, and that guy is Matt Eberflus. His <laughs> <laughs> press conferences are just yeah. absolutely brutal. Did you see the one the other week when he was they were basically saying? Well, I think actually it was. I think it was against the Saints. I think he mentioned he said going into half time uh, with this great play, and the coordinator that co- called up that play deserves all the credit, and that coordinator was me. <laughs> just like what? Just, I'll blow your own trumpet. What right? are you talking about? Me? <laughs> and uh, in the chat, just as one of our guys is a, a Bears fan, and he just bangs his head off the table every time he hears anything come out of Eberflus's mouth. So mm. studs uh, talk us through the Vikings and, and the, the Vikings lines, Vikings and the Bears. I think that's that's obviously get more interesting when we've seen Joe, um, Justin Fields coming back last week oh. against the Lions. Um, because if the, for the first sort of well first half really it looked more than serviceable. Um, the Bears were dominating the lines to be perfectly honest. Goff had these three turnovers, so field and Fields was making passes. He threw lovely bomb to DJ Moore. Um, we know his ability on the ground as well from that side of it. We've mentioned Josh Dobbs. Um, the season this guy's having, considering he's went from the Browns in March to. Um, Cardinals. The Cardinals, yeah, cheers, George. <laughs> completely yeah. there. Um, to the Cardinals, and then obviously getting told, I think he was mm. told off of the Cardinals um, head coach that he wasn't getting traded, and he literally come away from his conversation with the Cardinals head coach and his agent phoned them saying that you're getting traded. Um, so, and then obviously moved to Minnesota, it gets through in his first game, and well. They just took over for there. Um, and I think the Vikings fans are obviously in love because se- we've seen the videos of the eyebrows getting shaved and all that kind of yeah. jazz taking a look like them. Yeah. So I think Josh Dobbs is obviously going to be the big talking point um, in what he's doing at the Vikings. He's going to be... I don't think Jefferson's going to play this week. I think it makes sense for the Vikings. I, I think they'll win this comfortably without Jefferson being there. Um because they've got that run game, they've got the fact Dobbs can use his legs, they've got Addison who's having a great rookie season as well. So I think it makes sense for the Vikings to wait until after their bye, bring Jefferson back, Dobbs then gets more weapons. But for me, the guy I'm looking forward to seeing in this game is, obviously, you had the, the Purple People Eaters in Minnesota before as well. There's a one-man purple people later in the in the Vikings defense this year, and it's Daniel Hunter. Yeah, He's man. sneakily having a great season mm-hmm. for the Vikings. The guy has been an absolute machine on that Brian Flores defense, and I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what he does in this game because I don't think the Bears' offensive line is obviously that great. You've got a mobile quarterback back there. Um, can Hunter get to him and actually really take over this game? 
Yeah. It's, it's strange because yeah. Hunter looked like he could have been on the block at one point before he signed that contract. They're saying, well, maybe they might trade him and move on for him. And the type of season he's having now is is great, great for them. Yeah, yeah. Talking about Hunter, I mean, we've on the podcast we've talked about players like like Micah Parsons this year. We've talked about Miles Garrett. I think Hunter's kind of just kind of went under the radar. I mean, I, I was reading a thing on Twitter the other day, and it's a girl I but she, she's a Vikings fan, so obviously she's biased, and she's like, "Why is no one putting respect on Hunter's name this year? It's all about Miles Garrett. It's all about Micah Parsons." But I, should Hunter be in the run for defensive player of the year this year, Dan? I, I don't I don't see why not. Yeah, you know, I mean I think Garrett probably Garrett's looking phenomenal, but you know, you can't discount the kind of performance Hunter's Hunter's had this year and, and Mika Parsons as well. They're all all good candidates for for defensive player of the year. I think Garrett will win it though. He just looks he just looks like a, a wrecker every time I see him, just goes through like three or four people to get get to the QB. He's he's phenomenal talent. Yeah. Just, I, I was going to say, I just, just grabbed a couple of Hunter's stats here. He's got 12 sacks over 11 weeks so far, and he's got three forced fumbles. Um, that just goes to show how disruptive he's been for me. Um, so I, I do think about the conversation, obviously. The highlight reel for Garrett um, is probably going to take over, I think, as, as Dan said. that You could just basically go before the committee and just put that put that blocked field goal in front of them on video and just say, He's like that year when you know when Aaron Donald was just going through players mm-hmm. and it was highlight after highlight. That's the kind of season um, he seems to be putting on this year. It's just big splash play after big splash play, and that's what you love to see as a fan. You want to see those big hits, and he does it consistently, game in, game out. With, and with he's Panache. doing it. With, we're doing it without Darius Smith, who they traded for from yeah. the Green Bay Packers, and now traded him away. And it's totally Daniel Hunter on that line who is just wrecking games. So you're right. I mean, he does deserve a shout-out, and he does deserve to be in that conversation. But we know how the NFL goes. And deservedly, Miles Garrett is absolutely up there because he's just tearing up the league on his own. But definitely shout-out for Daniel Hunter, 100%. Yeah. Looking at on the offensive side of the ball for the Vikings, I am trying to find someone's stats. So, I think someone, I think, as I mean, as a fantasy owner of pretty much everyone on that side of the ball for the Vikings, I have and across all my teams, I had Cousins, I had Hawkinson, I had Madison, I've got Jefferson, I've got Addison, I've got, and none of them <laughs> seem to have done a lot this season. It's really disappointing me and it's probably partly Dobbs obviously came in, but I was just pulling up Hawkinson's stats here because to me it feels like we've not seen a lot of him. He's not done what I think people expected of him, but just pull out his stats. He has only got four touchdowns, but he's averaging 9.8 yards of reception this season. I mean, he's got 736 yards. Mm-hmm. So he's actually having an okay season. Maybe just not by his standards. George, what have you thought about Hawkinson this season? I've, I think he's great. He's doing exactly what the Vikings need him to do. And particularly when you don't have guys like JJ, Justin Jefferson, who obviously is a, is a target monster. So when you have someone like Hawkinson, who isn't really spoken about, that much you know he's not one of the premier tight ends but this season he's been doing it very very well for the vikings a safe pair of hands a guy who can move the chains a guy who can convert on third downs and when you've got a new guy in the building like josh Dobbs, he's going to be looking his way um you mentioned it a stud about jj not coming back that's cool i still think they'll get this win but they're going to see a big game from from uh, hawkinson for sure because obviously you've got the likes of addison who probably take the top off teams and will demand a lot of attention which tends to then leave things open for for hawkinson but also in the running back room I know uh, Madison fumbled once again in the game on Sunday. You've got guys like Ty Chandler, who's a speedster in that backfield, who defenses will have to account for. So if anything, um, it does kind of open it up for 
um, uh, Hawkinson. I think they've got uh, Powell as well. He's he looks yeah. like he's, he's been a solid number of games now, getting a good number of targets. I think in fantasy terms, eight points, nine points, ten points in the last few weeks, back to back. So it's going to be a good one. But Hawkinson is definitely under the radar, having a great season by all accounts. You know, obviously when they made the move from, I think it was the Lions, a strange yeah. part in the season. There was a lot of like, you know, hmm, what's this about? It's a bit strange. But lo and behold, he's actually doing it big for them, really, really well. Yeah, especially yeah. It was in 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 a division trade as well, which was was a surprise. Uh, I was going to say on the Elkinson point, we played the Vikings last week uh, or the week before the bye week. They had no Jefferson. Uh, we had Addison locked down on one side of the field. So the only person they could throw to was Hawkinson. We should have known that was the only place they could, person they could throw to. He had like a couple of cracked ribs and he still run all over us. Um, he he just destroyed us. And we, could, we couldn't stop him. We knew it was going to him and we couldn't stop him. So as, as George said, he's a very underrated talent at tight end. I think people are waking up to it now as they move away from the traditional Kelsey Kittle kind of discussion and talking about him and like Dallas Goddard and those guys a lot more in that discussion. Yeah. I think it actually might have been that game against the Saints, Dan, that I remember watching, I think, and it was someone that George just mentioned there, and it was Pill. Um, he seemed to, I don't know, that kind of seemed to be, I don't know if it was that game of the week before, but I remember, again, on Red Zone, every time the Vikings were throwing the ball, it was him that was catching the ball. He seemed to have a bit of a breakout game uh, that week. I can't remember if it was against you guys, Dan, or it was against... It, it might uh, have been, because I do, I do recall someone saying, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> so they're probably... probably yeah, I, I do remember, and he, and he seemed to be... He seemed to just be popping up and getting catches. It wasn't anything spectacular, but he was getting first downs for them and stuff like that. And I think when I looked at it, I thought, I think a lot of people maybe thought KJ Osborne would be the a really good for this year. But Pill seems to be coming stepping up a wee bit and maybe just getting used to being in the league, getting used to Dobbs. Sometimes you get this with these new quarterbacks come in, a receiver that's maybe not had a lot of love. Suddenly there's that chemistry with a new quarterback and suddenly he becomes his favourite target. I think that might be something that's happening with Pill. Um I mentioned Ty Chandler, he seems to be very hot property in the fantasy markets this week. He seems to be getting a lot of love in, in the fantasy this week. I've managed to try to trade for him, but <laughs> I've not been answered back yet. Uh, what I'm offering probably isn't worth it, but uh, I've, tried, I've tried. I don't have a lot to offer, to be fair. But it'd just be another Vikings player in my, one of my fantasy rosters. Yeah. All in the Vikings for some reason, which is unusual. Hmm. Um, right, let's flip over to the Bears. Uh, yeah, it's a weird one for the Bears this year, isn't mm. it? It's kind of, yeah. I don't know what to make of the Bears. Um, for the three and eight, mm-hmm. but they seem to have had a wee bit of life has reappeared in the, in the last couple of weeks. And I, what do you think that's down to, Dan? What, what's changed for them? What, what's given them a bit more life? I don't, well, we 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 played them a couple of weeks ago and said I was at was at that game, and um, they looked the first half. They looked good. They was you know they got. Few touchdowns against us. They they looked effective. Um, Beijet or Beignet or whatever his name is, the, oh, uh, the QB, yeah, Beijet, I think is. He was he was you know playing well. If he couldn't get a pass, he was he was moving the ball on his feet well. Um, and they looked good until we till we closed those channels down for them. I think Justin Fields coming back is a boost. I think if they work out to use Justin Fields correctly, he will be a good QB in this league. But they seem to want to turn him into a pocket passer when and like say to him don't use your legs when actually let him use his legs um he was a good good qb coming out of ohio state you know you just got to look at the wide receivers that have been drafted off the back of, of him being their qb um i think they need to just utilize him better and get that connection with him and dj Moore going. i think i think they'll start they'll start doing okay 
I think yeah, I don't, you're not gonna, I mean it's in their best interest to sort of not do super great at the moment because they're not going to win division and some two yeah they've got that draft pick off of the uh of the Panthers which is looking like gold dust and uh and their own draft pick so probably you know next season they could really build that team up whether the head coach is the one they want to do it with that's a that's a different different discussion but yeah um yeah I, I just think Sorry, yeah, the, the guys covered actually the, the bit of chat on the review crew on Monday night, and it was Gavin, Stu, and Brian. They covered it. So currently, the Bears have the number one and the number five pick uh, because of the because of the Panthers. The trade, yeah. <laughs> um, the question is, do they do they roll the dice on Caleb? Well, those well, questions. That, 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 was, that was the question Brian basically posed to the guys and said, the Bears need to decide: are they all in Justin here? But if they are, and I mean, we've seen with Justin here, but you made a great point there. Yeah, Justin, Justin Fields, Justin, Justin Fields, <laughs> Justin Fields. If they just let Justin Fields be Justin Fields, he could be. I mean, we've seen last year what he can do. We've seen the ability he's got when when they just let him be himself. So did they decide right? We're all in him. So that number one draft pick suddenly becomes a number one and a number two and potentially a number three for them if they can get the right person to trade for that. So then that then now is empty build because not number five, they're not going to trade number five, they'll trade number one. Unless they want the kill, which I don't think they will, but I think Probably, I think I agree with junior, I'd imagine. I think I genuinely think they decide to stick with Fuse and they trade that number one pick, and I think that'll get them a lot of draft capital because the number one pick this year is probably one of the most valuable years of a number one pick what is coming out of college and what is available you can get big money for that number one pick this year so i think i think if they decide to stick with fields they will trade that number one pick and they will get an absolute ransom for it but george if you want to say something even if they're not sold on um fields they could trade back and still pick up um drake main yeah and and get marvin harrison and, and someone else yeah yeah, I think it's 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 an interesting one because they have options, right? They have options. They're three and eight. They'll probably be three and nine. I imagine Fields coming back does give him more of a chance. You know, he uses his legs well, and he he can he can convert. He can score. He he gives defenses things to think about. But they have to think about this from a much wider lens, a much wider angle right now because there's a lot of holes on this team that they could potentially fill by, like you said, trading out of that number one spot. If they decide to stick with Fields, which I feel like they possibly should do because there's a risk here. Caleb Williams, I get is the guy, but he clearly wants to play for a contender. And I can see him, you know, turn doing an Eli, like I mentioned earlier. He's already come out and said he wants shares in whichever team that drafts him. And, you know, he wants to play for a contender. I'm sorry, but the number one draft pick is the number one draft pick for a reason. They're not a very good team and they want you to help them overturn that. Um, so Caleb Williams already has the attitude of I want to play for a contender. So if the Bears do go after him and he doesn't want to play for them, I do wonder what happens then. Um, personally, I do think Fields is great. I think he's been mis- mismanaged, misused. And I think if they s- keep Fields, swap out of that number one, because he's a dual threat guy. He can throw the ball and he can run the ball. Swap uh, Trade out of that number one. Like you said, they'll get an absolute bag for that number one pick with what's coming in this draft. And then they can really rebuild. There's so much talent in this draft. I mean, the Bears have so many holes to fill. So as a, as a, as a franchise point of view, for me, it makes sense to stick with Fields, trade out of that one, grab as many picks as you can, and go for, live for hell with all those picks and rebuild the team. That's what I think they should do personally. Yeah. Without going back over what the guys talked about on Monday night, I've just pulled up the draft order now. There is a stack of teams that... If the Bears went, right, we're taking phone calls and that's number one pick, there's a stack of teams there mm-hmm. who will want to move up 
Um, right, let's let's move on. We're running, we're running uh, late here. Keith's going to be on, well. Keith can't see it after last week, but let's cut it back a wee bit. Uh, right, predictions for this games. Uh, we're going to reverse all this time. Studs. Um, I'm going Vikings, and I'll go. Oh, I'll go a heavy one. We'll go 34-14. George. I'm going to say this will be very close. I'm, at, I'm, I'm, I am tempted to go Vikings. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I do think it'll be very, very close. But I'm going to go Bears. Um, Bears win by a field goal. Dan, I'm I'm going to go Bears as well. And I, I think Justin Fields puts on the show to show why he should still be their QB next year. Um, yeah, I think I think I think it'll be close, but I think there'll be a lot of TDs in it. Like mm. I could see it like twenties yeah. to thirties kind of score, but I think that I'm I'm going to go with the Bears. Upset. Did I did I, did I go Bears or Vikings? Bears, Bears. Bears. I know. <laughs> Flip it. Flip it. Flip it. <laughs> I meant the Vikings. I'm still going to go Bears. Yeah, I think it will be <laughs> close, and I think Fields they, they will they will cause problems. But I am going to go Vikings. My bad, I got that wrong. <laughs> you did actually say I, I, I want to go Vikings, but I'm not going to. Is how you start me off. The more I think about it, because I've got it up here and I'm looking, I just, yeah, I think the Vikings have got too much going on and I think they're playing for more than that. They want JJ to come back. So I think they're, they're going to go Vikings, but I think the Bears will cause some concern. Yeah, I'm going to go Vikings as well. Based purely on a selfish fantasy point of view, I need them all to pick up points. That's my, my <laughs> Right, yeah. guys, that's that's the deep dives done. We're going to go and do the rest in one. So basically what I'm going to do now is fire some games at you. We're going to go, we're going clockwise. Or not just literally who's going to win the game. I don't need scores or anything like that. I just need a... One word, give me who's going to win the game. So I'm just going to, I've got a few games listed here, but I'm going to just pick out some key ones. So uh, we'll start Packers, Lions, first game on Thanksgiving, Dan. Lions. George. Lions. Lions. Studs. Phil House, Lions. Dan Campbell is a coach of the Gridiron Crew's favourite coach, so it's got to be the Lions here. Um, well, I was going to go, with, I'm going to ask the Cowboys, but I'm not going to go bother asking his name. Commanders. <laughs> uh, 49ers Seahawks. A 49ers can't, I can't see past the 49ers. Yeah, Niners. Nah, they're all, all about the 49ers. Gino's banged up. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Dolphins and Jets. Dolphins. Fins up. I, I think it'd be hilarious for a Jets win, but I can't see it. <laughs> I don't even know who the QB is. Like, I'd never heard. Yeah, <laughs> love, love to see Tim Boyle going. Bring back Mike White. He was he. Hey, he was good. He was all right for them, man. He was he, decent. He, I like he, he, he's on defense though. Now he's the backup to Tua. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Next one, we're going to go with uh, the team that are coached by Brian's favorite head coach in the league. It's the Steelers uh, against the jo- the Jake Browning Bengals. Can I go tire? You want to? I want to say Steelers because obviously Joe Burrow being out, but Kenny Pickett is underwhelming mm-hmm. on the best of days. Um, I'll go Steelers, but just purely just because an unfamiliar QB at, at the Bengals. That's the only reason. I'm going Steelers. I'm not a fan of Kenny Pickett, but them Steelers managed to win when I think they can't, so I'm going to go Steelers. Yeah, I'm going Steelers in a 9-6 slobber knocker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going to go Steelers for the fact that the running back, I think that, that'll make it different. The two quarterbacks, we, we don't know Brownie much. Yeah, Jalen Warren. Season, but the, the season and the way Warren's been playing recently for Steelers, I think 
Neil Steele. Right, the next one I've dubbed this the Who is the Worst Team Bowl? Patriots against the Giants. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to go with Giants just because I like the name of the QB. <laughs> Character from Goodfellas. It's just that's, that's <sighs> about it. Yeah, Giants, 100%. He had a good game, so yeah, Giants. Yeah, we got me lost out my survivor pool last year, so I'm gonna uh, this season, so I'm going. <laughs> with it, yeah. I'll go Patriots just to be different. I think they both of them could basically just kill each other, but um, I'll go Patriots. Stuff it. Um, this goes against every fiber in my being to say this, but I have to say the Giants. I mean, I know Devito's not proven much of a good week last week, but Mac Jones has proven he is not good. That is that is different. With Devito, we don't know what we're getting. Mac Jones, we know exactly what we're getting, and it is not good. Uh, right, next one. This, this, I think this one, next one will be a very interesting matchup. Uh, Jaguars against the Texans. Mm. I'm going to go Texans. I really like what Domenko's doing there. I think he's quietly doing good stuff. Uh, Shroud looks good. He's got the offense humming. I'm going to go Texans. Yeah, uh, obviously both teams in the AFC South, both rivals of mine, but Big up to the Texans, CJ Stroud and D'Amico. They're doing great things over there. Even Singletary, who seems to you know have a new lease of life. Definitely the Texans for sure. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Texans as well. Um, Tank Dale has just instantly clicked with CJ Stroud. Is I'm able to tank as well. It's just fantastic, right? <laughs> he, he was like a hell mary in one of my best ball leagues. It's looking like one of the best things I did. Yeah. He's so Do you know, what his, you know what his actual Christian name is? Oh, no I did hear this. Nathaniel. Oh, where did Tank, tank come came from? from? I've not read where Tank came from, but I, th- I think it's so, so, it was a family thing, something in the family, I'm sure. I, I do vaguely remember seeing this, reading this article, but uh, I think it's a family thing. Um, right. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Texans as well. I, mean, I think um, after Richardson went down, uh, CJ Stroud became the the adopted son of the crew this season. We all love him. <laughs> uh, right, two more games. Bills against the Eagles. Yeah, Eagles. Yeah, I wanted to say Bills, but they got problems, man. Eagles. Yeah. Bills D is just absolutely atrocious. And I, I, again, I, I've spoke before about how I think the Bills are overrated. I'd love to see the Bills beat the Eagles, but nah, it's the Eagles all the way. Right. I managed to do it for the Giants, but I just can't. <laughs> can't just physically can't the bills. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and last one, Ravens and Chargers. Ravens. Oh, Raiders, did you say? No, Ravens. No, Ra- Raiders are playing us. Raven- uh, Ravens. Ravens. Yeah, I'm. I'm big on what the Ravens are doing right now, so I'm gonna go Ravens and bye bye Brandon Staley. Yeah, Staley just doesn't look good. Mm-mm. Nah, it started freaking out his press conference last week. Yeah. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm Ravens as well. I think the Ravens have looked decent this year. Yeah, I think I think I, I called a few weeks ago about Brandon Steele being on the hot seat, and I, I was kind of, I can't remember who was like, nah, it's too early to be talking about that. Nothing's changed. But I have a tradition, and I never go against Justin Herbert because I love him. So I'm going to charge him. So. Fair enough. <laughs> Justin Herbert, not Justin Fields. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, guys, last we sec- last we segment. So we're going to do the fantasy stud and sleeper. Uh, so basically, give us for each position 
uh, who you think is going to be stud in fantasy this week and who your sleeper is going to be. So, Dan, we'll kick off with the quarterbacks for yourself. So, my stud is going to be Dak Prescott against the Commanders. Um, Commanders D is not not great against the pass. Uh, he's got plenty of weapons there. I, I think he'll be a good good stud for fantasy this week. And get those QB points early on the door on Thursday. And Dan's on a studs and throws one. There he goes back. <laughs> and your sleeper. You want... Sleeper. Uh, Gardner Minshew. Oh, okay. Yeah, Shit. I just to, to those points I said earlier about the Bucks in terms of uh, their, their what they're like on third downs and their pass mm-hmm. defense. Up, uh, Gardner is a, is a sleeper for me this this week. Perfect. Uh, studs, you've taken over the mantle from studs running backs. So, have you got for running backs? I've, I must admit, see for the studs, I've I have went a wee bit cheat code here. Because I've, <laughs> I've went with the Lions RBs because the Green Bay Packers run rush defense is atrocious. So I think Junior Gibbs and Montgomery are both going to absolutely run over the top of them. And I think you seen it last week with the Bears as well. The two guys absolutely thrived. Yep. And your sleeper? Well, the sleeper I'd went with Ty Chandler because I mm. I thought I'd seen something about Madison been injured. I think he's in concussion protocol. Um, but I think he is expected to play. But again, George kind of touched on it earlier. Ty Chandler's look good. He's a very, very, very quick guy. So go Ty Chandler. Right. Um, George, tight ends. Um, so I'm going, my start is David and Joku, um, in particular for fantasy purposes. So obviously the Browns have got backup QB, Dorian, Thompson, Robinson, I believe it is. And again, it's a safety valve issue. They need a short he needs a short pair of hands and in fantasy in particular in joku's targets have been up and up i think it was nine and it was 15 this weekend so he's my stud sleeper i'm actually going with um trey mcbride for the cardinals <laughs> for the cardinals he's he's great Zach Ertz is out and obviously bride was a high draft pick and he's actually shown what he can do plus the rams are trash against tight ends so he's my sleeper just to put a very cool water on that actually i can't even know though the second tight end get the most Targets last week, so we'll see how that one plays out this week. Mm. Uh, wide receiver studs. Um, I'm going to double down on what Dan said earlier about Dak being his QB stud, and I'm going to go CD Lamb. I'm loving this chat. Mm. It's, very unusual. <laughs> it's very unusual. It's very unusual. I'm loving this. It's NBA Jam rules. He's on fire now, so you've just got to keep feeding him. Yep, and your sleeper. Uh, sleeper again. I mentioned about uh, Dan. Can I jump in on on one of my picks? I went with Josh Downs. Um, again, on the provision that he is obviously fat, he has had a good connection with Manchu. I think Josh Downs. Excellent. I'm going to pick up the D's and uh, I'm going to go home. I pick Cowboys defense against that Washington. That's that's my stud defense this week. I mean, we can stud defense every week against anybody, but I think. Uh, Sam Hill, I think he's still the most sacked quarterback in the league. Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence are going to feed this week on him. Um, sleeper, I looked at the sleeper one was quite an interesting one. I looked at different things. Whether you class this team a sleeper or not, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Lions against the, mm. the Packers. Uh, Jordan Love is not really shown much this season. These receivers should be. I mean, they've done okay, the receivers, but I think they should be doing better. Um, yeah, we go lines uh, against the Packers for, for the sleeper, uh, and studs back to yourself for the kickers. For the kickers, and again, uh, George is probably going to enjoy this one. I think Matt Gay has just been so reliable this year for the Colts. Um, I'm going to go Matt Gay as the stud. And your sleeper, sleeper. I've actually just realised I've went in the same game. 
I've, on the other side of the wall, I've went Chase McLaughlin. Mm. Um, I think he's actually been, he's had some good weeks in fantasy, uh, purely from a fantasy owner perspective. I've picked him up a couple of times off the waiver wire, um, and he's done me a solid. So I think um, I can see Baker getting the ball down far enough, maybe just not finishing it off, um, getting a few a few field goals in there. Yeah, I had picked. I picked him as a sleeper a few weeks ago. I think actually I can't remember who they were playing, but I picked both te- both kickers against each other. And like one's a stud, one's a sleeper. I don't know which one's which, but they're both equal. <laughs> so, and it was Chase McLaughlin was one. Of them. I can't remember who the Bucks were playing, but I remember picking two of them and thinking that that exact same point. So uh, yeah, thanks for that. A few good picks here. Let's see how this plays out. I think uh, Stu made a point last week where we should have a competition. It's somebody whoever had the worst pick in the start should get an award the next week. Um, I think that's, that's a good shoot because there's been some absolute howlers on here this year. Um, more howlers. You'd need to get around the same position then, so as it's fair, because obviously you can't pick a, a stud sleeper against a, a stud kicker against a stud wide receiver. Yeah, just basically whoever the worst pick of the week is, whether it's stud or sleeper, you could pick someone who then like picking Joe Burrow last week and only picks up eight points. Oh, I mean that's yeah. that's your injury, obviously, but still points wise, it's a, still a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> hey folks, before we get finished, just another wee reminder that we've got the Thanksgiving uh, watch along tomorrow night with Keith and the gang. Um, try and get yourself along and, and see what Keith's got in store for that. There'll be some some really good games tomorrow night to, to tune into. Um, hey guys, thanks for joining us tonight. Dan, thanks for, for coming back on again. Next time you're on, you get your hat trick ball. Hat trick NFL ball. <laughs> well, that's what we'll go with the golden uh, NFL ball for your hat trick ball. <laughs> well, we'll even we'll, the crew will even sign it for you. You can stick it somewhere in that man cave. Yeah, I've got both. I was going balls coming out my ear. I was I've, I bought a load back with me, and I was like, oh, I don't know why I've done this. I've got nowhere to put <laughs> uh, George, it was excellent to have you on. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, we'll definitely link up again, again soon. Pleasure, pleasure to be on the show, man. Appreciate it for having me again. Anytime you want to do this, I'm down. I'm never going to say no to talk ball, man. So, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Excellent. Studs, nice to have you on a Thursday night for a change. I know. It's uh, good to be back on after a wee hiatus. So, um, nah, I enjoyed that tonight and obviously meeting Dan and George for the first time. Um, good good listening to these guys as well. So, yeah, good good laugh. Excellent. Folks, remember to catch us on all the socials. Give us a Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. Anyway, basically anywhere you have social media or Spotify or YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast, you will find the Gridiron Crew. I've been your host Dan, this has been the Preview Crew, and the guys will catch you on Monday.